This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the writer and director for Till. Chinonye Chukwu. I got a letter today from Auntie Lizzie. She said, Bo's been working the fields. Oh. <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh, he just doesn't understand how different things are in Mississippi. Are you listening? Yes. Be small down there. Like this? Emmett never thought anything would happen to him. He just wanted to go on vacation and have fun with his cousins. But if my son could just get his feet back onto the Chicago soil, he'd be one happy kid. I don't know why I said that. I want to talk to you about that boy. They've come for you. describe what a mother knows. The first thing I noticed when I became a mother was that my hands were busy all the time. My hand knew him with my eyes closed. Just like I know his laughter in a crowded room. It's the same thing when you know all of someone. This was my boy, Emmett Till. The body of Emmett Lewis Hill has been found dead. Can I at least just fix him up a bit? No. They have to see it for themselves. You tell me, Mamie. How is risking your life gonna help them? Those pictures of your son change people's lives. I can't look, Mamie. We have to. The lynching of my son has shown me that what happens to any of us anywhere in the world had better be the business of us all. First off, it's a given but very moving film. My audience was thoroughly shook when we saw it. I was curious because I've heard that this is the particular version of the Emmett Till story that his family's been trying to get made for years. And I know that there was a lot of background with the historian Keith Bouchamp on this film. So tell me a little bit about getting involved with that kind of archival process and bringing that particular take on the story with Mr. Bouchamp to life. 
Well, I was approached by the producers three years ago and asked if I would be interested in um, writing a version of the story that I wanted to tell and directing. And so I knew that the only way that I would be interested in telling this story, the only way that this story I felt had to be told was through Mamie's point of view. And it's about her journey and her fight for justice for her son, but also her journey in uh, evolving activist consciousness. And so um, I really benefited from the decades of research that Keith had done and uh, and that also included reopening the case and and really immersing myself in that research and the case files and, um, you know, meeting various members of the Till family and going to Mississippi a few times and going to Chicago um, and, you know, being able to take from the information and the facts in, in, a, in a draft that Keith and Michael Riley had written years prior and really um, write a version that was a story about Mamie, a character story about Mamie, um, and that was cinematic and use the tools of cinema to communicate her humanity and her journey. And so, uh, yeah, and so that's, that's really where it started and, 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 and my approach to it. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So obviously, uh, we, we can't discuss this film without discussing its central performance. So tell me a little bit about the casting process and um, settling on Danielle Deadweiler for this performance. I didn't settle on Danielle, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> settling is, is the settling. worst possible uh, word imaginable. The worst word. I did not settle. Um, I We were blessed to have Danielle. I mean, she... Is extraordinary and really channeled Mamie. And it's just one of the best performances I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, she sent in an audition tape months into our search for Mamie and blew me away. Um, I called her back for a director session and she killed it. I mean, when I cast actors, I tend to look at, I tend to cast actors who can hold this right, holding command a frame, communicate a story with their eyes, get underneath and in between the words, um, non-verbally and verbally. And Danielle checked all the boxes. And, you know, we spent months digging into the script and every single emotional and psychological beat and nuance multiple times and diving into the research and talking every day about things that we've discovered. And um, so by the time we were on set, Danielle had such an inherent emotional and psychological understanding of who Mamie was and what her journey in the film will be. And that was my approach with all the actors, you know, in a much truncated way with the other actors, mm -hmm. but really talking about what, who they're playing from an emotional, psychological point of view, you know, and so they could really get underneath the humanity of the people they were playing. Well, you talked about hiring actors that can hold a frame. So tell me a little bit about kind of the scene where she's testifying in the courtroom and we're just locked on her face. Cause that was just did you always plan to shoot that just focus on her? Was there other coverage? What's the no, there was, well, there was no other coverage, but I, I had, I went in that day um, with Bobby Bukowski, my cinematographer, and we had eight or nine setups planned. 
And I thought we needed those eight or nine setups to communicate the emotional beats and subtext that was what the scene was about. And so the first setup was Danielle's close up. And after the first take, I was like, damn. <laughs> and she got a standing ovation from the crew. And oh my God. when we did the second take, Bobby and I looked at each other and we we're just like, you don't need anything else. So mm -hmm. what we needed to do was adjust the shot so it can exist as a long take. So rack focusing from the jury to Mamie so we can establish spatial relationships, being very specific about when we dolly around Mamie so it matches what's going on emotionally, bringing in the hands of the jury with the ring and the photograph so we can suggest the world beyond mm -hmm. the frame. And so we could be clear about the pressure that exists outside of the frame that's mounting on her, particularly when we go into the cross-examination. So after it took six takes to get to adjust the framing and composition and the camera work and blah, 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 blah. And the sixth take was what was in the film, um, but it was not planned. It was, was one of the things that you just had to be open and present to. And it was a, it was a magical discovery. The other scene that is going to stick with me for ages is uh, when you get in close with her face when she's hugging the coffin when it first arrives mm. uh, in Chicago. Uh, tell me a little bit about working with her for that almost just animal level grief that she well, showcased. One of, one, of the, one of the many things that Danielle and I discussed in our prep work was what was the differences between the moment, the, the Mamie's crying, Mamie's tears, Mamie's crying in that scene, you know, versus when she sees Emmett's body um, in the mm -hmm. scene that follows. What is the, what, what is the difference in terms of where she's at emotionally and psychologically? And one of the things that um, Danielle and I discussed and discovered was that that scene in the train station is a very visceral cry, you know, a visceral, guttural yeah. cry, whereas the following scene, it is a release and moment of decision, you mm -hmm. know, and so um, that's where we, that, those, that's where we started, and, um, and so that when we were shooting that scene at the train station, I kept, you could hear a pin drop, I kept the set completely silent, and, um, and Danielle, it was such a physical experience for Danielle because it was guttural. And she, um, Sean Patrick Thomas, who played Gene, who was so great in that he physically was supporting Danielle in between takes and and and, and helping oh, her that way. Um, and I and you know, Bobby and I had planned carefully how we wanted to shoot it so we didn't have to do 20 takes. And so mm -hmm. I knew that because Danielle and I had talked about this being a very guttural moment that we needed to just keep the camera on her and, and just let it play out how it plays out, but just stay with her in it as, as tightly as possible. Now, I obviously the next scene you mentioned is when we, uh, the audience, see the body. I, you know, I know that it must have been difficult choosing how and whether to showcase the body at that point. Tell me a little bit about the decision-making behind how you chose to reveal that just beaten and destroyed body. And because uh, you handle the actual act very tastefully, you know, it's, it's not featured on screen, which I think a lot of people appreciate, but were the, was it a tough call about whether or not to even show the body? 
Um, I knew, I, I knew we, we have to show the body. We can't tell yeah. the story without showing the body. And, and so much of the story is about witnessing and showing the body is an extension of Mamie's decision to have the world see what happened to her son. And so I had to honor that decision. So the question wasn't whether or not to show the body, it was how to show it. And mm -hmm. he was showing it from a, showing the body from a humanizing place, as opposed yeah. to the camera taking on a voyeuristic lens and objectifying right. um, Emmett's body and who Emmett was. And so I knew that, you know, my directorial vision and decisions are always rooted in story and what's going on emotionally and, and whose point of view is it. So I knew that that scene in the funeral home is about Mamie and it's about her and it's her emotional point of view seeing the seeing her son's body and her connection and love towards his body. So that's why when we start the scene, his body is obstructed for a significant yeah. time. And we're preserving the, the quiet privacy that between Mamie and her son. And then when we do start to see abstractions of the body, we, we see it as Mamie is seeing it incrementally, but we're keeping the point of view, we're keeping the camera, the gaze of the camera from Mamie's point of view and showing love and humanity as opposed to objectification. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you went down to Mississippi. Uh, tell me a little bit about working to get a completely period accurate look at both the, the locations and the costumes, because it, it does seem like it captured the era well. Thank you. I had incredible department heads. Marcy Rogers, my costume designer. Kurt Beach, my production designer. Um, of course, Bobby Bukowski, my DP. Um, you know, I, I went to Mississippi uh, twice before shooting. And one of the things that I was very um, I was paying attention to were the sounds of Mississippi, mm. the, what, how Mississippi looks at the nighttime versus daytime and the very, very visual details that we can incorporate into the film, you know, um, and M Marcy or costume designer, her family's from Mississippi and she, Marcy's from Chicago. And so she was able to draw from personal experience when mm. the details and Kurt Beach did so much, so much extensive research and making sure that every detail was as specific and accurate as possible. Um, and, and, and so that, yeah. And, and then it was, it was about diving in and getting to work. And I'm very meticulous about every single, every, from the button that <laughs> wore to the kind of fly that was in that we had in the you know every detail um to just to the fly as in bud the fly. Buzz fly. Like what kinds of insects are in mississippi yeah. you know so wow. you know what they look like and what they sound like you know versus the in the bugs in chicago you know and yeah. so that kind of detail everybody the vfx people the everybody was that attuned to the specificity um of of the film and of the world building um for the film now, this uh, film and its credits had some pretty legendary people working on it. You had Barbara Broccoli and, of course, you had Whoopi Goldberg. Tell me about working with both of them. Oh, they're fabulous. I mean, Barbara <laughs> is, I mean, both of them from day one believed 
so deeply and un unconditionally in my vision and my point of view and my artistry. And I felt that from day one. And that is what helped give me the creative autonomy needed in order to craft this film. Um, and, you know, Barbara on set, for someone who's as busy and who is as legendary as Barbara, I, it, was, it was so wonderful that she was on set every day. You know, mm. and she and she's very motherly. And so she would I joke about this big ass bag that she would carry full of everything from like Excedrin to granola bars to sunscreen and whatever you needed. Barbara was there just, you know, and, um, and it was it was necessary because she was she sh it was a part of the care that we all felt on set, you know, and I just felt so supported in that way. And Whoopi was just extraordinary. I mean, she's yeah. the most humble, egoless person that you can meet. And she was so receptive to my direction and, and, and wanted direction and just was so we, we were able to try different options and, 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 and make different adjustments. And it was just, it was just a glorious experience with the both of them. And they really protected me and make in my vision and made sure that I was, I was able to craft exactly what I wanted to craft. Well, I mean, it, it's a work of pure art, artistry, and uh, I know I speak for a lot of us. We're all going to be very unhappy if it's not a big player in the Best Actress race this year, uh, as Clemency should have been. Uh, but that's that's another story. So uh, best of luck this season to you, your whole team, and Danielle. It's a wonderful film, and I can't wait for more people to see it. Thank you so much. You take care. All right. Appreciate Bye. it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the writer and director for the new film Till, Chinonye Chukwu, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Till is currently playing in limited release and will be released in theaters nationwide on October 28th by United Artists releasing under the Orion Pictures label. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.